Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. Another week uh, gone by, uh, obviously, um, under Tuchel. But before we get into that, um, and before I introduce my co-host, I do want to have a quick shout-out for uh, two of our original Rep Ultras, uh, the Lenartsen boys, Alex and Seb, they celebrated their birthday, so shout out to both of them and happy birthday, boys. Hey, happy um, birthday, Lenartsen boys. One of our original uh, guests also during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, they great. were actually, were they Were they our first pandemic guests? Yeah, I, I think, think so. They were. <laughs> they <Yeah>. were. <laughs> so shout out to them, happy birthday, boys, hope you enjoyed. And then uh, also a shout out to the uh, Chelsea women's team. Um, for those of you that don't know, in case you've been living under a rock, they beat Bristol City 6-0 in the Women's Continental League Cup Final. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Sam Kerr basically killed it, guys. I mean, hat trick. Um, obviously, that was kind of overshadowed by the knee injury to Mielda, so we hope she's okay. But um, we can definitely use a little bit of Sam Kerr in our front three uh, for the Champions League, especially. <laughs> are, are there rules for recruiting her? Because she's, infor- she's our most informed striker at the club. <laughs> There's for sure rules against that, but <laughs> Sam Kerr, I, I got her in uh, Volta in FIFA. She's an unlockable character that you can get. She's so good. She's like my best player. I love well, her. Yeah, I mean, the backflip alone was worthy of a mention. So, I mean, <laughs> shout out to the Chelsea women's team. I mean, we're not going to go too, too into it. I didn't actually watch the game. Um, I know I'm, I'm, I'm terrible, but You're so uh, but yeah, I mean, that's awesome. So. Andres, we didn't mention you yet, buddy. How you doing? I am exhausted. <laughs> you pumped up full of vitamin C. I sure. <laughs> I mean, where that? What does that come from? Vitamin C. Well, yeah, I don't in, know. He was in New Orleans, wasn't he? Yeah. Are you... they masking down there? Yeah. No, they were far more strict than Texas. So. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I I I feel like like apparently I actually were there for the first week they opened things up again so yeah they they were very strict if my no if my nose even slightly wasn't covered by the mask someone immediately was letting me know so don't worry guys i think i'm okay but beyond that how was it like did you have a good time like what that was the first time in new orleans i think i no it was i think it's technically my third time uh second time of age but the the food was fantastic. I mean, I I could not get enough crawfish and etouffee and, and that sort of thing. Did you get like, any beignets or? I did. I yeah. did. We went to a cafe beignet. Is some good stuff. Is that famous? So, I, I would, I'd actually have never heard of it. I'm sure yeah, that's it's like a that one place. and Cafe yeah. Dumont are the two. Are the oh, two that's go-tos. the one I heard of. Yeah. Yeah, the line at Dumont was too long, so we asked mm-hmm. the hotel, and they said that actually cafe beignets are better. So there's my my tidbit for anyone trying to go to New Orleans. Did you do a did go. you do a blues like pub or bar or like shindig? I always wanted to do those. I always see those in New Orleans. Like there's those blues as in Chelsea shindig. or what? No, no, no blues. <laughs> I'm just like, kidding. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they so live music had just started the weekend we went. So the, our hotel bar had live music, piano, cello, and uh, a big bass. So it was kind of that sort of vibe. Uh, and then we went to the place with beignets and they had a lady on a trombone and then a lady on a piano at the same time. So the vibe was there. It wasn't a straight up, straight up jazz or blues bar, but we got the live music like 
here and there. That's, That's definitely awesome. on my bucket list for when for I sure. go. Me that too. And a, and a po' boy. Oh, oh po' boy too. Had an oyster yeah. and crawfish po' boy. Oh, man. The, the food it makes was me so hungry right now. I gained like I, I gained easily eight pounds, but worth it. <laughs> we for I think sure Popeyes. I think Popeye still has the shrimp. Oh boy, you're bro, not gonna not go the same, bro. That's not you're the same. Get out of here. Out of stop Popeyes. <laughs> Get the hell out of here, Zach. That's like saying, oh, let's go, let's go to like. Uh, Mexico City and get some Chipotle. You down? <laughs> or even worse, or even worse, Taco Bell. Oh, well, Taco Bell is uh, actually good, but it's Taco good. Bell is good. You know what I mean? It, it's okay. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't kidding. saying it to get okay, authentic not... food. Popeyes okay. is just. We're not having this conversation yeah. right now, okay? We're talking yeah. about yeah. Chelsea. Actually, Let's before. Let's talk about something that Zach actually knows how to talk about. Let's talk Chelsea. <laughs> Wait, but before that, I actually do. I have an announcement on my own. Uh. Today, I started my first day of work as an attorney. It's official. I am officially employed. It's been a long, long time coming. Three plus years of law school, plus studying for the bar, plus looking for a job during the a, a pandemic. It was not easy, but I found, honestly, my dream firm. It's in a great area, great, great firm. Like, you know, does exactly what I want to do. It just sucks that I had to start the same week as Chelsea playing uh, their second leg in the knockout stage of Champions League. Uh, so I just don't I, don't, I still don't know what I'm going to do on Wednesday, whether I'm going to, you know, it's probably going to be working from home. So I might watch the game at home while I'm working, quote unquote, or I don't know if I can't if I can't do it, I'm going to have to wait and. And watch it later because I just I, I can't miss this one. I, I'm not. I'm just gonna maybe not look at my phone the whole day. But let let's let's talk about this Leeds match first. I uh, even though I don't want to, um, because that was just another frustrating performance by us, and it was just so funny to think back to our predictions and <laughs> we said this was the week. Finally, the goals are gonna break through. We're gonna score three. And again, we walk away without a single goal. Walk away with a clean sheet as well. So, but so you know, not all was lost, but just the same, you know, same all issues that we're gonna have to just have the same conversation again for another episode. But um, let's start off with the starting lineup. Um, so initially, we actually lined up uh, with a back four in what looked to be a four-two-three-one. Uh, so Mendy in goal again. Dave, Rudy, Christensen, and Chilwell is the back line. Uh, N'Golo Conte and J, uh, J5 kind of played double pivot role um, with Pulisic, Ziyech, and Mount up front, and Kai Havertz kind of playing like a false nine. I, I can't even tell you exactly what was going on because it was, it was very fluid and moving a lot. Um, and it was funny because the night before, I was having a conversation with a friend, and they were, you know, saying if – if you know Chelsea switched to a back four, what it'll look like, and I'm just like, it's not gonna happen. We're not gonna switch. We're not gonna change formations, and it finally happened. Um, but it's you know Tuchel's first match in charge where we didn't see a back three. Um, Zach, what were your thoughts uh, seeing that new back four? Uh, I, it was only a matter of time, I think, before Tuchel switched things up. I mean, we know 
historically speaking, that he's a reactionary manager. He changes his his shape. He changes his not his philosophy, but his style, uh, depending on his opponent. So the logic here made sense playing four at the back. What it did is it gave us an extra midfielder um, to help break Leeds' press. Um, so basically what that meant, defensively, Chilwell was the one uh, to drop back uh, in line with AC and Rudiger uh, to form that back four as he was on the right-hand side. And then on the opposite flank, where normally we would have a wing back, Pulisic was actually just playing as a natural winger. Um, where he wasn't necessarily tracking back as deep, um, but still picking up his runners. So, yeah, the, the thing was, um, in the attack, we did look like a 3-4-2-1. It, it very much looked like the shape that we have been attacking with and playing with for the last couple weeks. When we win the ball back, Dave tucks in, it becomes a back three, Chilwell pushes up, Pulisic goes wide, or whoever's on that side, because that, that middle... Um, those, I guess you could call them three tens, I guess you can say. Um, Ziyech, Mount, and, and Pulisic, they were pretty fluid throughout the game. So whoever was out on that flank, it was mostly Pulisic, was, was pushed out really wide. And it looked like we were playing that 3-4-2-1. Um, look, I, I know there's a lot of negativity about it. And uh, my thoughts on it in general are, I'm not too down, guys. I mean, when the, when, when the final whistle blew... There was that initial sense of disappointment that it, it was two-point dropped. It did feel like that very much so. But at the same time, it's another clean sheet, and um, and, and we still didn't lose, and we're still unbeaten. Um, so, you know, that's something that's important that we have to look at. I think if this formation showed us anything, it showed us that we can still keep a clean sheet playing with a different style for an extended period of time. Granted, we didn't play with it for the full game. But, yeah, there still is a lot of work to do. Um and I think for Tuchel, you know, that four-two-three-one is something that we might see again. You know, we have a lot of attackers that he's trying to get, uh, you know, to get ticking um, and to get to put numbers on the board. So you got to put those guys on the field. And playing that three-four-two-one kind of limits us, especially with not at one of the ten positions. So I feel like eventually the four-two-three-one is going to allow Tuchel to, once he finds that combination or that balance, it's going to allow him to to fit more attacking players in. Uh, on in the in our starting eleven at least. What about you, Andreas? Um, the the starting eleven was fine. I think the tactical side of things, unfortunately, played into Leeds's all-out press in a way because yes, defensively we were covering, <clears throat> but then I feel our shape moving forward never really existed because. The, the team was always shifting. I mean, the moment we won the ball back, nobody was in the right place, so then people have to go to the right place. And so I thought that led to our offense being a little bit of a, a shit show, to be honest. I mean, we, we never really created something crazy aside from the, the one thing I can think of is the Kai Havertz chance that he hit it straight at the keeper um, after sliding kind of right of the goal. But for me, it just felt that if the other team is pressing us hard, the moment we were winning the ball back, or the moment, yeah, they, they're coming at us hard and fast, you know, they're not about possessing and, and taking their time. They're kind of quickly trying to hit you after they win the ball. Then when we would win the ball, we never got into the right place because we're trying to beat the press. So then once you do beat the press, then people aren't in the right place. So, so for me, 
I, I understand the logic, like Zach explained, but I think it actually be, be became a detriment to our attacking movements because we did so much to try to plan for leads instead of letting leads plan for us. And again, Tuchel's been here for two months. He's pushing on, on two and a half right now. And actually, I, I want to say just about two months exactly. And, and this is part of the learning process. I think that, yes, it's great to have a manager that adapts, but at the same time, you, you shouldn't have to reinvent yourself for a team that you should be beating already, I, I think is, is what I'm trying to get at. Leeds should have been the ones that changed their way of play to us. And, and I think that ended up leading to the, the lack of goals. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a recurring theme. We talk about it every match. We just can't score. Um, last week, we, uh, we got a question from Prash, a.k.a. Prosh, a.k.a. Prash the Rash. Uh, the, new, <laughs> the, the new name is uh, Prashanth. He actually wants to be called by his, by his full name. So. Prashanth. Okay, Prashanth. Was good. was good, Prashanth. He confirmed. Good. Yeah. All right. And he asked. A.k.a. Well, for... AKA they... Prash. <laughs> what was the word he used last week? Was it prolificacy? Whatever he it's said. Right, it's right. It's right. It there. is. It is. Well, he fixed his word. He muted. I know. It, it, I know it's prolificacy, but he he put something else last week, and it was like I I've totally had a brain fart trying to read it, and like obviously he meant prolificacy, but anyway, he said prolificacy in front of the goal again, or maybe a lack of it. Uh, that's probably what he meant. Anyone getting PTSD? vibes when we try to create an actual chance just to miss i mean we've had so we've had 13 goals scored in the tuchel era in all comps that's 13 goals over 12 matches but at the same time we've only conceded two goals including one that was a an own goal so really we conceded one goal in those 12 matches so um you know it's just it's 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 just the same thing over and over again. I mean, Andreas, is is this something that we should still be worried about when our defense is this strong? <laughs> well, <sighs> um, to an extent. I mean, this is the Premier League, and we've seen what happens when your team falls asleep or can't get a result in a few matches, such as Liverpool, who were once you know, up there with your Manchester t clubs and then the table. And I mean, now you have to, you know, go past the top five to, to reach them. And they barely are there today, even though Wolves should have probably gotten a penalty to draw the game. So yeah, a few, we're not conceding, which is great. And our defense is very solid and, and props to them and props to Edward Mendy, but we have to help them out. Usually we would say like last season, I feel like it was the opposite, right? We had to have the offense bail us out of situations. Well, now it seems like it's the defense and it, it seems like a weird seesaw where when the offense is good, the defense isn't. And when the defense is good, the offense isn't. And Zach mentioned it, you know, Tuchel has to figure out how to get his best attackers in while not conceding. And, and that's part of this, kind of weird situation we're in again where we have a top manager coming in midway through the season it's going to take a while for him to 
to get the right pieces, maybe get the missing pieces that he believes the squad is missing or the board believes the squad is missing. And so, you know, we're not going to build Rome in a day. Obviously, I wish we could be scoring a little bit more. But, you know, luckily for Tuchel and the, the club, they're not losing. So I don't want to say that I'm starting to, to worry because we're still getting results for the most part. I'd say Sunday, it wasn't that we created 50 chances and, and that, uh, you know, we were unlucky to draw leads. I thought the draw was actually a fair result based on the play. So, yeah, I, I mean, as of right now, I'm, I'm not going to scream asking for, for change. But obviously, we, as fans, we want to see goals go in the back of the net. And maybe we're missing Tammy more than we realize because he can score the ugly goals. So once his uh, ankle gets better, maybe we'll see some goals go in the back of the net more. I'm, I'm, I'm still not too fussed about it, guys. Uh, I, I gotta admit, it's not, it's not a big concern of mine just because of how well we've been defending. Defense wins championships. You always hear that quote, mostly in American sports, but. I think in this case, look where it's gotten us. I mean, in a, in a pretty solid position, top four, yeah, again, we probably did drop two points in this game. At least I think so. But in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, we have so much attacking potential that still hasn't even been tapped into um, to the point where, you know, I, I can be patient. Tuchel just came in. Um, you know, new system just got put in place. And I think that is where you build from the back forward. Tuchel came in and the first thing he said is we're leaking goals. All of a sudden we can start picking up results without scoring them. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it is going to take time. I know we say it every single week and I probably sound like a broken record, but you look at guys like Drogba, you look at guys like Frank Lampard, even you know, two of our best players ever goal scorers ever. Um, and, and both of those guys had mediocre seasons in their first year. So it, it's going to happen when, you know, people are pointing fingers at guys like Werner, guys like Ziyech, even Kai Havertz to a certain extent, which I don't really understand because he still is really young. Um, but yeah, eventually the goals are going to come. And yeah, the team does need work. We do need additional attacking talent. I think we have a lot of players that just aren't good enough. Um, so once we... I guess once we kind of filter those players out and, and again, it, it comes down to that balance that me and Andres keep alluding to. Tuchel's got to find that it's whether it's the right combination of players or the right, I don't know. I don't want to say the right system because you're not going to see the same formation every week, but it's just that right combination of players and that right balance on the pitch where you have the correct amount of players to both defend and attack effectively, um, you know, while keeping it clean. So I don't know, guys. I'm still not too fussed about it. A lot of the chances we're missing are just a matter of us kicking it straight to the keeper. I feel like if we can just fucking kick it to the side of the net, it would go in for <laughs> What once. a concept. What a concept. Well, I'm, I'm uh, like, as I'm saying that, I'm just imagining Kai Havertz mm -hmm. shake, away, shake his defender loose, break ankles. It was actually like a really nice like body faint. His defender guessed the wrong way, and he had, what, a full three seconds to pick his head up? And decide where he wanted to kick it, and just decided to go straight at the keeper. I mean, frustrating as hell, man. This, frustrating this is, as hell. This is the thing, though. If 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 Kai doesn't get COVID and he doesn't get those injuries and he has a good twenty <laughs> oh Premier God. League games under his belt, he tucks it in. No, it's 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 a matter of just 
those it's what was it his second it's a lot of ifs though that's a lot of it is a lot of i'm not here making excuses for him yeah okay it it is a a bad someone has to be an optimist (laughs) the homer i mean dude like we're sitting here looking like idiots for you know like just demanding that pulisic start because that's where the goals will come and finally he gets a start and still we don't score a single goal uh so maybe our homerism is not really helping us out you know like this this it's frustrating and we got we got a couple questions from one of our favorites russell saunders first of all i apologize for not including your question from last week in last week's episode uh it seemed it seemed like he was very very offended by that so we decided to include all of your twitter questions from this week into this episode so um here's the first two um first he asked why does Pulisic think he needs to look like J5 to get noticed in a Chelsea shirt? <laughs> not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure what that's alluding, alluding to. It's a what? beard. It's the beard. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he's also he'll scrawny trick. and now he has a beard. He'll yeah. trick he'll trick Tuchel into thinking that he's Jorginho and that's how he gets the start, huh? I mean, that's probably it. You, you, you nailed it, Russ. Um, but the second <laughs> question, and this one, I... You know, like I know he's he's it's partial banter, but it's also kind of true. You know, I kind of agree with it. Will we see Pulisic play a decent match for Chelsea this season? Because it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't. Yeah, a decent twenty minutes. When today? I mean, the beginning at the Leeds? beginning at the very very beginning. That's right. all I yeah. saw. Because yeah. I watched the game on delay because it was a four a.m. start. And, you know, I, I, I saw that it was a nil-nil draw. You know, unfortunately, I saw the score before I started it. But I, like, facetiously said, oh, wow, Pulisic's created, like, three or four chances in the first 15 minutes. I'm sure we scored a bunch of goals today, huh? And, uh, But, yeah, you're right. He did look good in the beginning. But, but, not, but like you said, that wasn't a complete performance. He faded away. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. It's weird. And the only solace i have is that i hope that it's Pulisic's version of that i believe it was the 15 16 season where hazard was just complete trash mm-hmm. so i'm hoping it's one of those situations where hazard came back from injury and then he never really got his rhythm for the whole season i hope it's something along those lines for Pulisic, because again we we've seen him tear the league apart essentially i felt post post uh you know whenever project restart began he was the player in in most form and i would say across the league he was just unplayable i mean even joao Cancelo came out and said that he's the hardest player he's ever played against in the premier league in terms of wingers so we know the skill set is there we know the talent is there again i think right now unfortunately for not just Pulisic, but pretty much everybody that's trying to be the goal scorer, since none of them are scoring, none of them are getting a consistent run of games. And therefore, they're continuing to not score. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I think, you know, it wouldn't shock me if we never see him pull a, a run of games because he's still yet to give us one full game. So, I, I'm I'm drawing this season as a scratch and, and Zach, I don't know if you agree with me, but I'm just going to wait till next season. I mean, you're technically giving the same excuses, uh, that Zach gave to Z, I mean, to, uh, 
to uh, Havertz. Uh, you were just making he's, fun of him he's for. He's talking about that. He said, but he was talking about specifically for one shot. I'm I'm saying <laughs> in my head, true. I'm not expecting Pulisic to get better. Like I'm That's not true. saying if Pulisic didn't do this, he would be doing this. I'm just saying. I'm not expecting the season to look better, and, and that's my yeah. <laughs> my realistic view of this. I think the guy's gonna have to have time off and and a preseason, an actual preseason, to get his head on straight. Yeah, I, I, no, I agree with you. It's a lot. It, it's very different from what we're used to, especially with American sports, where it tends to be like a stop-start type of season, where you can be out for two or three months, and there's a break mid-season, and you can kind of regain your fitness and your form where here it's kind of if you get hurt you're out and then the second you're fit you find yourself on the bench immediately completely out of form probably not 100 percent fit and then you get thrown into a couple matches and play a couple five to seven minute cameos and then all of a sudden twitter starts going crazy now the fans are getting on your back and the media is getting on your back because you're all nbc sports talks about whenever the word chelsea's mentioned and you know this is there's a lot of pressure on the kids, so I'm not really, I'm not again, I'm not down on anybody in in the squad. Like Andres, there's there has to be a certain level of patience and also a certain level of understanding. Also, nobody can sit here and tell me that Hazard's a crap player when Andres just mentioned the season he had and how he bounced back. You know, like Pulisic has that same sort of ability. You know, we talked about him being Chelsea's best attacker last season after Project Restart. Some people would even argue that he's still our best attacker. I I, necess- I wouldn't necessarily, but I could see the argument there. The point is, it's we don't we, we don't need to get too fussed about it. We don't need to spend too much time thinking about it. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if if something doesn't put itself together before the end of the season. Then I can. Then you can start asking those questions about, um, you know, is he the right fit for the squad or whatnot. But I mean, guys, how, what was that? His his first start in yeah. how long? And his yeah. first start under Tuchel. Like, I I feel like we're so quick to judge these guys, and and we're so quick to put the microscope on specific players that are getting more publicity that isn't necessarily their fault, like Pulisic. But when you look across the board, and Andres, I'm curious to hear your take on it. You look at all of our attacking players, and I know there's not one real reason why we're not ticking right now, but it, it, it feels like all of them know that every single spot is up for grabs, so they're all trying to do too much at once. And it sort of seems to be like, I got to get mine first, and then, I can, yeah. and then I can help my teammates because like, okay, the left wing is open, and that's my preferred position. So wait, I need to score a couple goals. And then I could start, you know, feeling out the games and being more of like I don't want to say a team player because it's not them being necessarily selfish. They're just fucking competitive. They are. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, last week I think selfish. last week Andreas even you specifically mentioned this point about Pulisic like yeah. doing too much to try to get his position back. Yeah, he's like, trying. It feels like he's trying to create a sports center top ten. And and for us, for, I'm sure you kind of get it through context to our European listeners. Basically, he's trying to create a viral highlight. And, BT and Sport Top gonna... Ten. I think that's what they call it, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure. So, so it's not about you know whatever you want to call it. Whether it's it, it, the truth is yes. The only there's three striker outside tens, whatever you want to call them. There's three positions up there, and one of them is going to Mason Mount. In the big game, it's going to Mason Mount. Period. Because the guy is balling out this season. And then there's two others. 
and those two others, nobody's clicking. We thought Kai Havertz was the one, and then he had one bad game. To, to, it might be too soon to tell because those are his first two starts under Tuchel, so I'm not going to, you know, completely get him off, but Timo is still not really scoring. He scored one chance, and, and we thought, oh, finally, this, this is it. He's going to start scoring. Not the case. Hudson Adoy is in a weird position because he plays his wing back sometimes. He plays as a winger others. The point is he's still not scoring. Polisic, we just spoke about him. Ziyech, same issue as Polisic. The guy can't give me 90 minutes. I, I don't think he can even he just give me 45 minutes right all now. All of them. I, I feel like Ziyech tries to hit the home run ball way too often. You got guys like Polisic that are just dribbling too many players. Werner can't, can't finish. Kai Havertz just can't find his footing yet. I think Kai is the only player that we can really look out outside of Olivier Giroud and Mason Mount, to be fair, that played in that front three, where we can say, okay, I can see how his skill set could fit in our best 11 playing that position. Dude, playing him as a nine. for us. Like, come on, in the past, should... like, two months, he scored one goal. You're already no, talking two about this? Played. Two matches no, 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 started. No, no. I know, I'm just saying I'm, in the I'm past couple about, months. I'm talking about... Played. I know, I know. I'm talking. I'm only talking about the the first match he played under Tuchel, the first one that he started. Okay. He, he the Everton was, match. The Everton match. Yeah, he was really good. I know. And, and Still, we came onto I mean... the podcast, and that was the whole topic of conversation was how good Kai Havertz was. He's gonna have a dip. He's to be fair to him. I know how much gegenpressing pressing there is in the Bundesliga, but he's never fucking seen anything like Leeds before, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that he wasn't available the first time around against Leeds either. So, yeah, to be fair to here's, him, here's yeah, my it's a baptism by fire in a sense. Here's my point, though. Like, I don't want to be too reactionary from that one performance because, right. like, the, you, I, I still, in my opinion, think, like, he's got to do a lot more. And, yeah, the, he had flashes and he had a really great match. But, you know, I think it's it's it, just like how you're saying it's unfair to, like, you know, point negatively to a player after a match and you know kind of just overblow it i think it's the same the other way around that if he has one good match you can't really buy into it too much because he needs to do it consistently and he he has looked good since then but like it's like i'm, I'm not at the level of comfort that you're saying right now we're like you know he's he is yeah. one of the names that like i can rely on when like it's it's not I, he's I not with... he's far from that because right I now. think, I mean, we have to apply the same rule. I mean, how long did in it take future, us to say Jorginho can start? How long did it take us to say Christensen deserves to start? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, I'm agreeing anyway. with you guys. I'm not saying I'm not saying Kai Havertz is already made number nine for the rest of the season. No, I'm just saying he showed us some things where we're like, oh, okay, we're, we we actually got flashes of the kid's potential. I feel like we haven't had as many moments. I felt like we had more moments in those 90 minutes against Everton than we had in the last, what, month, month and a half with Timo Werner. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah. In terms no, of having right. those That's moments right. of just I like – and right. same thing with Ziyech, same thing with Pulisic all season. Well, same thing goes for, for sure. I think, has I think looked really bad this year, and it's very disappointing Cho, to me. Cho, when he started as, a, as an actual inside 10 against Everton, he looked really good playing there. So, so like that. I mean, that's another one where okay, you saw some flashes of damn. Like, like we have an option, potential option here. But it, again, guys, I like it's the same. It, it it keeps coming, you know, round circle to the same topic. It's consistency. We just haven't seen anybody put it together for three, four, five games in a row mm -hmm. outside of the trusty veterans and you know, like Giroud or the Kovacic's or the Jorginho's or anyone on even, defense. 
pretty much it's like but those are all you know some of our most experienced guys and those are the ones that are putting in the consistent performances it's the young guys that are you know kind of wavering and and, and blowing hot and cold every now and then so mm -hmm. and i mean beyond the attackers we actually got a question from um at black emoji uh he asked looking at our midfield options where's the creativity supposed to come from in this team especially with ziesh playing like we bought a discount version from ajax and that's what i was saying earlier like Ziyech has just been absolute, like extremely underwhelming this year. Very underwhelming. Like we've seen maybe, you know, like a minute stretch in every match that he starts where it looks good, and the the rest of it is just like, you know, I'm just not impressed by what I see. But beyond that, I mean, Zach, where do you see creativity coming from in this team, in the midfield at least? From the midfield, I mean, as long as we're playing Mount um, in that front three, I don't think creativity in the midfield uh, is is really an option unless you put what one of Mount or Gilmore there. And Gilmore's not going to be playing. Including, I think he's including the the wing backs. The, the the tens as midfielders because uh, uh, he's talking about Ziyech. Yeah, I mean, he did kind of play. He did play like a ten last match in the 4-2-3-1 he did and, and, and to be fair to be fair i'm not saying his performances were good but you can tell he is tuchel is tweaking his positioning a little bit you know the first time we saw him he wasn't necessarily only playing central but we did see him playing out wide in a deeper position and now he's in this game at least he was strictly he started actually in the middle and mount actually started out wide so I don't know. Maybe that's Tuchel's version of yeah. let's see if we could try to get something out of him. Like what if we literally fucking put him in the middle of the field, he can maybe do something with it. I still think the game is way too fast for him. Every time every time he controls the ball, he just seems a half second too slow. His decision making's too slow. And and I and I just to step in real quick, I mean, sure, Tuchel can play him somewhere else, but Tuchel has also come out and said that he's not gonna change uh, a complete system because it didn't work one time. Sometimes the players need to come out with solutions. Like he said yeah. this himself. He said that he's right. I can't, I can't change the system every time something doesn't click because then the players are going to look for me to find solutions instead of creating them themselves based on what I'm, I'm implementing. So if Ziyech can't realize that the guys here are faster and stronger than they are in the Netherlands, then just ship them back to the freaking Netherlands. At least Timo has come out and said, yeah, I need to do something because these guys are 6'5 and they're just as fast as I am. So I, I've yet to hear Ziyech make any comment like that. And again, if you're not willing to, to learn and adapt, then go back to being the, the medium-sized fish in a small pond. Like, it's that simple. You came to play with the big leagues. Start acting like you want to try to fit in Instead of saying, oh, well, this is all I do, because that's how it feels out there. I don't see the same, the, the, you know, the, the attitude that we praise Werner for, I don't see with Ziyech. I don't. And that's the most frustrating part for me. I, I can have sympathy for a struggling player that's trying hard, but I'm not going to have sympathy for somebody that just sulks and then keeps doing the same old thing, expecting it to now suddenly click. Now, now, to answer the question, because I totally went off a tangent there, <laughs> oh. I think it, it the, the creativity comes with the fact that these guys feel like they all need a score. 
and, and they're not creating. Like, I, I think that's really it. You have, you know, the fact that someone like Alonzo, who usually is, is trigger happy, can realize that he needs to cross the ball to, to Kai Havertz in the Everton match, for example. You know, the fact that these are the players that are, are being more team-oriented goes to show that form will help that. I, I don't... I do think we have a, a lack of creators from directly in midfield. I don't think Jorginho by any means is a creator. I think that uh, Kovacic is not a creator. He's just good in the build-up side of things. And, of course, N'Golo Kante is not going to create. He had an open goal and took five touches in the Everton <laughs> match as well. So, yeah, you, you talk about Gilmore, right? He's still not fully trusted to be a starter, period. And, and we talk about our wingers that usually create. Hudson Adoy, uh, Polisic, and then we we mentioned Mount, and Mount's getting better at creating, and he's actually our lead creator. And I'm gonna say this again: if Mason Mount is your leading creator, you have a creating problem because yeah, I mean, Mason Mount is not KDB. He's Mason but Mount. We, but do we really have a creating problem? Like, you know, we have 15 shots, eight on target against Leeds. I think the problem is is for sure like our ability to finish which is what we've already discussed. And maybe that's what it is because we don't score. It feels that way because you think of the chances we create and, and teams like Liverpool finish that teams like even West Ham finish those. And you think, Oh, you know, they're, they're doing similar things to us. They just put it in the back of the net and then all our assist numbers go up and the big chances created numbers. That's maybe what we need to look into before next podcast is our, our, are our big chances created numbers the same as those across the league? Then we can determine it, but our right, team is like you signed your you signed yourself up for a yeah, research project. Know. Cool, great. Yeah, it, it's just we we have a finishing problem, and without the finishing problem getting resolved, we won't know if we have a creating problem. Because you said it, fifteen yeah. shots, eight on target. I really don't think that's the problem right now. Um, this isn't in the script, but I want to talk about this because I always got to just add the Chillwell conversation um, in any of our. Uh, discussions because you know I think the narrative was once we switch to a back four and he's playing back in his natural position we'll see Ben Chilwell shine again and if I'm gonna be honest here he was probably our worst player in the match uh, again in Leeds he, he, he looked lost he was I don't know I mean did you guys see the same thing as me that like he just didn't look good yeah, I did. Yeah. He, again, it's it's kind of like on the defensive side, I'm not really noticing him doing anything wrong. I mean, we're keeping clean sheets. And and again, to be fair to him, that's why Tuchel selects him when he feels like we need to be more defensive. But at the same time, you know, there's one play specifically in the second half where he took a bad touch on the run, and if, if he took a cleaner touch, he would have been in on goal. And I, I remember texting straight into the group chat after, Alonzo hits that first time far post a la Tottenham. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, like, damn if you select them, damn if you don't type of situations, because you're going to get the solidity defensively, but in terms of the attack, you're, you're just not getting as much. And yeah, People could go and say Alonzo can't defend and Alonzo has absolutely no pace and blah, 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 blah. But how many times do we find Alonzo in the box in dangerous positions getting on the ends of things? I mean, the guy just 
the guy gives you that, you know, that that's his skill set. So in a game like this, I thought it could have been really useful, but at the same time, I, I'm not going to go and shit on Showell's performance because I do ultimately think that it was the right selection for this game. I think if you go and play a Marcus Alonso against a team like Leeds, they're just going to feast on his side um, on the counterattack. I could just imagine Rafinha running at him. So, so that that's, yeah. that's the that's the logic behind. Because I was just thinking, and Andreas, I don't know if you want to elaborate on this more, uh, but like. You know, like, I just don't understand the reasoning for deciding to switch from the back three to a back four in this match specifically against Leeds. Like, and if that's the reason why, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Andreas, do you do you want to have an um, insight? Or... I mean, yeah, Rafinha's lightning fast. Like, you have to have more pace on that side. So choosing Chilwell makes sense. Now, choosing the back four, I mentioned it earlier. I think... It was weird to, to to be playing a back four defensively and then moving to a, essentially recreating how you want to set up on the, on the attack. I thought it was too many moving pieces, especially in a game that's going to be so back and forth on the flip of a coin kind of moment because of all the pressing on both sides of the pit, of of uh, the pitch. And the one thing that stuck out for me in Chilwell's performance and Zach, you mentioned the struggles offensively. There was a play where. He gets open on the on the left flank, and Pulisic makes a run from the complete opposite end of the box, frees himself being like he had maybe three yards of space as he was running to the front post, and Chilwell took two more touches and then put his head on, up. And by then he prays across and Pulisic was already marked. Like there there was no forward, even if Pulisic was Akinfen was strong was going to be able to control that turn and shoot. And little things like that are are the footballing things that you you want your players to be doing automatically because you see teams like Liverpool and teams like Man City where their fullbacks know that somebody's already going to be making that run and almost automatically know that they should have already looked up or or they just blindly do it because their players make that run so often that if they put a ball in the right area, their players will get there. And just the fact that police, uh, not police, excuse me, Chilwell has to dribble all the way to the byline to then cross it. It's just such a simple thing, man. Like looking up, it's all it takes. You don't have to take so many touches. You, you don't become a better player because you cover 10 more yards of space with the ball at your feet. And, and that, that moment right there just kind of, encapsulated for me my frustration with him in this match he had something like 65 percent pass accuracy and yes part of that is the fact that Leeds presses for 90 minutes the, the whole match and and all that but at the same time 65 percent is is not a good number especially in the system where we do use the wingbacks a lot especially in the transition to the final third so yeah it's it was disappointing and and I don't think you know, he's doing himself favors either because, like Zach mentioned, unfortunately, Alonzo hasn't really dropped a bad match yet. He's been average to good. And I can't say the exact same thing for Chilwell under under Tuchel. And here's another thing with Alonzo. Just, just I, I want to mention it really quick. Alonzo's proven that he can do it over an extended period of time. He's won a title playing as a, as a full-fledged starter, starting almost every single match that season since we switched to the back three. So... For everybody that's out there saying Alonzo isn't the long-term answer, no. He's proved that he can do it before. 
So, you know, the fact that we went out and bought a 50 million pound left back or fullback, whatever, however you want to put it, doesn't necessarily mean that that guy has the God-given right to start every match, especially if we're going to be playing in the back three. So, I mean, that, that that's just another thing people need to keep in their heads is the guy's done it before. So before we go ahead and bash him and shit on him for how slow he is, let's remember all the beautiful goals he scored against Tottenham and the shiny trophies he's helped us get. Yeah, so it's easy to forget when you watch him play defense for 10 minutes, but I know it's, he makes up for it on the other side. More than makes up for it, honestly, in my opinion. All right, let, before we get into the Twitter questions and then the preview uh, for the Atletico matchup, let's just have a quick top four discussion because, you know, dropping it, that match, obviously we got a point, but it felt like two points dropped for sure. Um, th luckily, um, we had teams across the board uh, drop points. Well, Everton lost, I believe, right? And Liverpool, I don't know what happened to yeah. them, but Liverpool they, won. They but won today. Yeah. I think it's a non-updated uh, table. Yeah. No, no, this that's is, right. They're back this, up to six. This was after the Liverpool game, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. All right, so yeah, they're at six. So we're sitting right now in fourth with 51 points. West Ham has a game in hand with 48. Um, they lost United this weekend. Uh-huh. And Leicester... This is sitting ahead of us with five more points than us. Um, West Ham, they yeah they we also play them uh, in you know possibly in a little over a month. So uh, that's that you know that's that's going to be a huge game deciding the top four. Um, and we got a question from Black Emoji. He said we can't expect to finish in the top four if we can't score. How do we remedy this before we spend another season playing on Thursday nights? It's, do you guys share the same sentiment? Like, <laughs> we're not going to finish top four if we can't get the goals going because I, I st I'm still seeing points being dropped left and right across the table. So, I mean, is, is that, does that worry you as much? Yeah. So here's the thing. West Ham has to play Arsenal, which we we're going to always make fun of Arsenal, but they are picking they, up form. They're picking up form. That's also a London derby. Arsenal is is playing now for pride and and to be honest, the gap between Arsenal and the Europa League spots is also getting smaller. So they mm. have something to play for. Uh, Wolves is picking up form as well, and and prayers up to Rui Patricio with a scary head injury. Hopefully he's he's gonna be okay. Yeah, but they play them still. What's up with they Wolves play, and these scary head injuries? Man. I know, man. They, uh, West Ham still plays Leicester, who is above us and is on great form, and they're getting healthy again. They play us, like you mentioned, some, and they play Everton. So there's plenty of matches for them to mess up. So I'm not as nervous. Liverpool, who knows what they're doing, man. They lose two, win one, lose two, win one. They, I think Liverpool's real focus is going to be the Champions League at this point and maybe the you know a domestic cup. I don't know if I, I'm speaking blindly here. I don't know if Liverpool is still in an FA Cup or anything like that. But to me, it's more can the United the United and City I think are gonna stay one and two. I really do. I think West Ham, yes, they can ride this wave of good feeling for a while, but they have some tough games ahead. And much like we we handled Everton. I think Chelsea will step up to the plate for that match. But 
but to our friend Black Emoji here, I mean, I, I joke about this every year, but something about the end of the year is where everyone else seems to malfunction to Chelsea's benefit and we sneak into the top four. It's happened a ridiculous amount of times in recent history. And I hope that this time we earn it. But I mean, we're still undefeated. At the end of the day, under Tuchel, we're undefeated. We jumped from eighth place to fourth pretty quickly. And I, I, as of right now, I don't think we're looking back. And yes, we're going to have to play City. And yes, we're going to have to play West Ham. And yes, we're going to have to play these tough matches. But everybody else still seems to have tough games too. So I'm not... It's not that I'm not worried. It's not that I don't think is our lack of scoring that's going to make us play on Thursday nights. All I know is that I'll be really pissed off if uh, Jesse Lingard's signing is the one that propels West Ham to top four glory. I'm not too worried about that. But that'll be. Yeah, it could that'll happen. be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could happen. Um, no. I look. I. I think I think we need to take a glass half full approach, guys. Again, I'm I'm an optimist uh, this week, but yeah, it's we're still in a very good position. And Sam, you mentioned that game against West Ham. That's your classic six pointer right there. If we show up and we take three points off West Ham that day, I think the top four race is pretty much done and dusted. Granted, anything unforeseen happens, so. We got to hold out until then, obviously. We don't have another league match for, what, about a month. So the good news is um, we have this week uh, against Atletico and then um, the cup match against Sheffield to see if we can kind of get our, our goal-scoring touch or some sort of goal-scoring touch to to hit the rest of, you know, this end-of-season run-in, if you will, um, to, to hit it really hard. So, yeah, no, I look, it's... It, it, it's one game. Like I saw, I saw a tweet right after the match ended that said, "I think our odds to finish top four are officially 50-50. I think that's, I think that's way off, personally. I'm with you, Zach, has any, honestly. Has has anybody been like as much as look? We started this podcast so we can have you know just dialogue over our general feelings over Chelsea, right? A lot of that comes with criticism. That's just part of having a podcast. So as much as we criticize Chelsea, keep in mind that that's what writes us our scripts is what, what you know what bothers us and what we think of the team, right? What what I'm trying to get at here is damn, this is like a really meta that, discussion right now. Like you're no, going really no, deep into like the I am getting deep because because <laughs> no we can't let ourselves slip into like this sort of mindset. It's just, it's, it, it's toxic. It's like, nah, before we start playing Thursday nights again, look, man, how many, how many games are left? Nine. It's way too early to start talking about Thursday nights, especially when we're still sitting in fourth place, um, relatively comfortable. So yeah, I don't Dude, know. Stefano loves to be negative about Chelsea. It's like, I it's think okay. it's, it's like his, like, pride and joy it's, it's i appreciate you know, it some people some, some people when they watch it it's like dude i mean that's how i feel watching the clippers like you know it's like all dread for me but the clippers and the and chelsea are far far different <laughs> far apart as far as success but uh um it i'm i i just feel like it's the same thing every year we were worried about making top four and then it just ends up happening you know like <laughs> if it hasn't happened so often i would be more worried so I'm Has anyone seen this team defend? Yeah, I mean that that for sure is our saving grace, but 
Yeah. The goals will come. I know it. I be- I really believe the goals will come. I mean, us scoring, not getting scored on. That's not what I meant. But uh, let's go on to Twitter questions. So this first one is from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He asks, how valuable has Mendy been for us? Easily signing of the season. Hashtag Rep Ultras. For sure. Signing of the season, I think it's a lock. I mean, Tiago might be up there, but he's been out for a little bit. And, you know, even with him out, our defense has looked phenomenal. And I think it's has a lot to do with Mendy's performance in, in goal. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, Ron is uh, is pretty much spot on. I think Mendy has been the signing of the season for us. We if we could have identified one place where we needed help more than anywhere else, I think the two obvious positions were center back and goalkeeper. And for me, I think goalkeeper was much more important. Um, so the fact that we got Mendy at that kind of price is very very good business for us. That the price alone is just the price of his big freaking hands, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I swear, this man's hands have saved us individually. Not even his whole body, just his freaking palm. I think it's the second game now where the an open gadget. Mendy hand has saved us points. It's it's incredible. Like, what a what a double save he had there, and he was the man of the match by far in this last game. And yeah, we talk about how you know a lot of our players aren't clicking, but Mendy, he maybe had like a bad run of maybe two total, three total matches where we're like, oh, Mendy was bad, like. Maybe, and I'm I'm over counting here. So yeah, by far our player of the season. Before other listeners get crazy, I mean, I still think if they can get Donnarumma for a cheap option, I think Chelsea will, just because you always look to improve. But Mendy, player of the season, worth every penny. He's second in clean sheets to overall now, if I'm not mistaken. And and now our defense is the second best defense in sort of goals conceded in the league. So, yeah, you have to give credit to him because there there hasn't been a game where we think our keeper should have saved that. And the save he made also with his fingertip for the accidental chip was I mean, geez man, the guy's mm-hmm. the guy's good. The guy's good. We we can't ask for for better performances from our current starting keeper. I think I think the you know that saying where, I mean, at least for me, my, my coach always used to tell me when I played center back, said uh, the best center backs are hardly talked about. If, if nobody mentions you during the game, that means you did a pretty good job. So I, I think the same thing goes for Mendy. For most of the season, we didn't really mention him. But against Leeds, man, he had that one save against Rafinha where he like literally go-go gadget extendo arm. And, and and got like an extra foot and a half of reach out of nowhere. That was, I love that man. How big like, are his hands? Do we know? Does they're, I'm, I'm curious I to see how he has really long arms, but his hands look huge. Because like you know how Kawhi has really big like there are a lot of NBA players that have really really big hands compared to the rest of their body. I wonder if Mendy has like co- comparable hands to like you know I don't know like let's say like Kawhi Leonard for example. Uh. I doubt and that. Looking but... it up right now to see if I can <laughs> see how big his hands are. Because no. I know Kawhi's Kawhi's no. hands are like like over. I think they're over like a foot long if you measure it from the tip of his middle finger to the bottom of his palm. It's it's ridiculous. Wow. Um. What the heck? 
I don't know what this website is. It's, I don't think this is a real legit website, <laughs> but I'm not even going to read what it says. It's so off. Okay. Um, what does the pop-up say on your screen? Uh, it's a million dollar gift Vi- card waiting for him at Walmart. Viagra ads and it's 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 <laughs> unbelievable. Okay. Um, so this one, next one, uh, Twitter question. It's actually more of a letter uh, from Leonard Cohen. I'm gonna start calling these Leonard's letters, and I think I want to like <laughs> say this and like read letters this from in, like, Leonard. A, letters from Leonard. I think I kind of want to like read this in like a formal voice. <clears throat> Go for it. Dear Pod. The rumor mill suggests Chelsea are trying to bring back Eden Hazard from Real Madrid this summer. The 30-year-old Hazard has struggled with injuries and poor goal-scoring records. 24 appearances and 3 goals in all competitions since joining Real Madrid in 2019 for a reported fee of 100 million euros rising to a possible 146.1 million euros with add-ons on a salary worth 400,000 euros per week or this is oh he wrote in pounds 400 pounds per week would a return to the bridge for a reported fee of 40 to 50 million pounds be in the best interest of either either Hazard or Chelsea and if Hazard were to return how would he line up in Thomas Tuchel's new look Chelsea uh well I think this was written this question was written before the news came out today that Eden Hazard is probably going to miss the rest laughing. of the season. 4 I, to yeah, 6 this months. Definitely not a laughing matter. I'm It's not it a makes laughing me matter. So let's, sad. let's 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 Such play it out. Very okay. Play it out pre-injury. Yeah. Let's let's play it out pre-injury because I think it's still worth discussing. I I think I mean I'll go first. I love I absolutely love him. But I, I, I don't think it's the right time for a homecoming, guys. Oh, I was expecting you to say it was so that I can punch no. you in the face through this no. microphone. No, I'm, no, I'll no. say it. Let's bring him back. No. <laughs> Listen, if he comes back, I'm definitely pulling the jersey out again. But well, it's definitely going to be a bail Tottenham situation where he just doesn't play and doesn't have any sort of or, effect on the season. Or here's what's going to happen. Let's say, shit, let's say he comes back and he individually plays well, and then we go back to just playing hazard ball for – we get one good season out of Eden Hazard. What does that do for the rest of our players? Andres, right right now there's bigger problems. you got to get three games out of Hazard. Okay. Oh, oh my god, this is still a hypothetical conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he's already injured. I'm talking my about Hazard comes back. We don't have idiotic physios that don't know how to freaking keep him healthy. You you obviously feed a man a cheeseburger and he'll be happy. So Madrid, feed the man his Burger King. Anyway, <laughs> it, Hazard comes back. Again, hypothetical. He's healthy. He comes back. Number one, 40 to 50 million, too high. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's a loan. Damn but right. Let's say he comes back. What you're doing at that point is telling all these people you spent money on that the guy that you were supposed to replace, you never did. So now you're causing issues in your locker room. Then you're benching most likely a Polisic or Cho, who, as we've spoken, in Polisic's t- side of things, he's already struggling to get into the side. And then on Cho's side of things, he's finally happy he's getting playing time. And then you're going to bench him again for the guy that he's also potentially supposed to, to replace. So, so now you've pissed off three, four players for – one guy who's in his 30s who already gave you everything. So so at this point, he's just having a victory lap. This is a fifth-year senior coming back for a homecoming tour. Like, no, I'm sorry, no. 
he's not going to do the hard yards when we lose the ball because everything that's come out, every player that has practiced with Eden tells you that he doesn't practice, he doesn't work hard, but when he touches the ball, it's a different guy. That's not going to fly anymore. And, and again, individuals don't win you the league anymore. Manchester City doesn't have their best players playing well. The new guys stepped up for them to win it this year. Last year, Liverpool, yes, Mohamed Salah is great, but at the same time, I don't think he carried them by any means. I think it was a, a group effort. This isn't Barcelona and Messi and La Liga where you can do that. This isn't usually because Syria this year, he can't do it. But if this isn't a case where Cristiano Ronaldo scores 30 goals for you and then you're over, it, it's not. And, and I do not want to go back to the days where we depend on one player. I'm going to cherish Hazard's time here for the rest of my life, and I'm going to always say that he was by far the most talented player to ever wear a blue jersey, but I don't want him back. Unless it's a situation where we already have a ready-made team and he's going to be happy being a third-option winger, much like when Drogba came back in 14-15, I don't want it. I don't want it. It would would be really nice to have him back for a testimonial. Sure, we're going to do that. He decides (laughs) to retire. We will gladly invite him. Hypothetically speaking, Sam. Hypothetically, without the injuries. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we can make that happen. Yeah, with with just enough, like with with the headache we have right now, with like figuring out who's going to be our number one winger, like adding a th- another person to that is is just going to be a headache even more. Yeah. Um. All right, let's move on to uh, our next Russell Saunders question, and this one is actually uh, Ron's favorite question of the weekend. It's a great one. Uh. Did Leeds need more hair buns to be effective in this match? <laughs> I think they were one. I, I I think they were one short of a goal. <laughs> I think Do they we... were. I think they were hair ties short because I think Ailing lost it in the game, and then he looked like a L'Oreal commercial for the rest of the match. Garnier Fructis. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to add more hair buns? That's the real question. I don't no. know. No, okay, no, we don't. Not. Those things are out our, of style. Our club is known for having players with like a lot of gel in their hair. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell. Oh my God. Chilwell and, and Giroud still... each, each, you know, yeah. they probably fund the local, <laughs> what is it, Tesco? Is that what they call it? The the supermarket that's in like a big chain in, in, in the UK. That sounds about right. Yeah. Tesco? I think that's what it is. Um, We're going to eat. Uh, I'm not. I'm not confirming nor denying because I know for a fact is we're gonna get fact checked by somebody. So yeah. I'm not gonna tell. The market. It is Tesco. Tesco. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It is actually. Yeah. yeah they. They probably the the Fulham Tesco has no jer or uh, hell jer, hell gel, yeah. hair gel. Jesus. Whoa. Are you okay? Dude, I'm still recovering. I guess. Yeah. Clearly. Oh. They're they're permanently out because of those two guys. They mm-hmm. probably sh- they probably ship them overseas. Honestly, what they what they're getting. Um, all right, so this, oil. Yeah, this one's from that. This other one's from Russell Saunders. Uh, so like the question he asked us last week that uh, it was it was it was like telling us to think of a better nickname. Like he how he hates our nickname of Jovicic, as if we created that name. Like we didn't. You know, that's just like <laughs> it was a thing. But it's just I, online. I, yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you trying to give us credit for that, but that, that was sadly we didn't think of it. Um, but he asked us to come up with a nickname for the J five Conte combination. I right, here's here's mine. This one's pretty easy, simple. K five. <laughs> <laughs> 
or uh, N or or N five or N five, Golo five. <laughs> no, actually, that's bad because he's not. He doesn't wear five. Okay, that's that's no. a terrible. That's a terrible one. <laughs> Zach, you have a better one. I couldn't get beyond Cantinho or Ingolino. Ooh, that's just, really good. Ingolino. Yeah. Ingolino. It's gotta be one of those because if you flip it and you start with George, you or would have to Jonte. be Jorgolo or Jorgolo. Jorgolo. It's Jorgolo. Okay, Jorg that's it. That's my final answer. Jorgolo. <laughs> I'm writing it down. Jorgolo Jonte. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jorgolo. <laughs> it's just Jorgolo. Okay. And when we're going to start using this every time <laughs> they start and we're going to we're going to start this new trend of Jorgolo. Just like how we started Jovicic. This Jovicic thing. has a nice little ring to it though. And I'm so pretty sure Jorgolo. there's I'm pretty sure Jovicic oh, yeah, is a real apostrophe Yes. Jorgolo. Well, we definitely need the apostrophe. Yes. Okay, that's it. We're going to tweet it Jor at least Golo. once a day. <laughs> Got it? Is this really how you're spelling it? J O R. I'm gonna trademark it. I'm literally gonna go right now to USPTO's website and trademark it right now. Jorgolo. Capital and, G. Uh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Just like in Golo. Yeah. And we'll no, make we'll good. make T-shirts and uh, we'll send you one, Russ. Okay. Um, let's get into the Atletico versus Chelsea preview. Um, so. Right now, we're leading by one away goal to nil going into the second leg. Um, second leg will be played at the bridge. So, you know, if, if, if we just don't let them score, we move on, um, which has been like, it's, it's been what we've been doing for the past couple of months. But, you know, we've done it just nine one out goal. of the last 11 matches. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's if we let in one, like, obviously, it's, it's, it's been hard for us to find a goal. Especially yeah. considering Jorginho and Mount are both suspended uh, with a yellow with yellow card accumulation, so we won't be seeing Jorgolo, unfortunately. Um, but we will probably see Kov Golo, <laughs> Kovacic and and Golo Conte um, as the double pivot. No, it doesn't sound as good as Jorgolo. Konchich. No, it doesn't sound as <laughs> okay, good. Okay, Konchich. Um, but right now Atletico. You know, it's very very similar to us. They're struggling for form. They've uh, dropped eleven of their last twenty four La Liga points, even though there's they're four points clear in first place. Even after all that, um, so the injuries: Yannick Carrasco and Trippier are both back, um, both full uh, first choice fullbacks for Simeone. Um, uh, Jose Jose Jimenez is healthy but not necessarily going to start and uh, hasn't been confirmed, but uh, I think that given the stakes of this match, he probably will. Jan Oblak has not been confirmed out, but was training individually with the squad over the weekend. So it, 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 it seems like we're going to see a fully healthy Atletico, which is not what we saw last week. Um, is, is uh Herrera. Do you know, do you guys know if he's been playing or, um, I don't know. I'll look it up. Uh, I don't think. I. I, I mean. I, I. think he's healthy, but I mean, he's not in their first. Like, he's not one of their first choices. 
He's one of their that. utility guys. I like think I he know was Simeone. Out for the last match. Yeah, I mean but... he could be. Uh, th their injury list was really long the last time around. All right, well, let's get into it, Zach. Start giving some predictions. What do you think we're gonna see? I mean, are we gonna go yeah. with the back three or we're gonna see the back four again? Well, I don't know. I I, I think I think Simeone's definitely gonna have to get out of his shell a little bit. I mean, he's down one nil and it's an away leg for him. So yeah, he's going to have to go for it. And um, I could see him deploying a back three just because he'll be able to fit more attackers into the team. Uh, more specifically, Yannick Carrasco and Trippier, um, who are probably his first choice wing backs when he does play a back three. So, you know, both of those guys are back. He got his best center back. They thought Oblak wasn't going to be healthy. I know he wasn't training with the team, but Apparently he is now. So, yeah, they're going to be able to put together a really, really strong side. And, Sam, you kind of alluded to it. You know, as much as we could rely on our defense, um, you know, and and as well as they've been playing, you can't really count Atletico out, especially when they, as much as it pains me to say this, when they have a striker like Suarez or even guys like Jao Felix who could punish you if you give them an opportunity or two. I know they've been struggling for goals. I also know they've been struggling for form, but guess what? We kind of have two. So if you look at the actual, if you look at their last four matches, their form is very similar to ours. They're they're unbeaten, but they've been struggling to score goals. Um, so yeah, I mean, this could potentially be a very very dangerous game. Um, but I think the main goal for Tuchel is is going to be to make sure that Atletico is not playing on the front foot and that uh and that we actually take the game to them i think we'll be really really foolish if we start this match out with a very defensive approach and i don't think that's something that tuchel does by nature anyways um you know people talk about the champions league final last year but um you know psg did create some good goal scoring opportunities in that game for themselves so you know i it's a very very different squad here um, and, and Simeone is going to be semi-defensive by nature, but he is gonna have to gonna have to try to exploit us at some point. They are down a goal, so it's just going to be up to us. I think, personally, I think some prediction-wise, one goal would be enough to probably put them away. I don't think that they have enough to to score two, um, to score two on us. But then again, two nil is the most dangerous lead in football, so I I think it's going to be another one nil for Chelsea. Um, but but it'll be it'll definitely be a lot more difficult than last game from a defensive standpoint, just considering you know the people that are healthy for them in Carrasco and Trippier, who they really rely on a lot. Wait wait, hold on. does that two nil rule still count if we're talking about aggregate score? Like if the match well, is one nil, does that really actually still count? So I say so, no. I don't think it. I don't think it counts, which is why I'm kind of comfortable saying it. Yeah. But yeah, normally yeah, I would tell my boys. Up... Whenever we're down, whenever we're up or down two nil at half, I always tell them two nil is the most dangerous lead. So you know, be on the lookout. Or yeah, yeah I don't know. I, think I feel it, good I about it though. Overall, if we get one, it's over. I think. Yeah, you're right. Hopefully, Andreas, what do you think? I mean, we we kind of killed off their attack pretty well last time. I. If anything, Carrasco coming back is only going to leave them weaker in the back because they came out with two guys who were willing to track back. So for me, 
I think we can. It's either going to be one nil us or nil nil. I I really do think so. I don't. As much as Suarez is, you know, the kind of player that you know can can find his old form and things like that. I think we're doing a pretty good job of of denying their chances. I think Conte has proved that he's back to to his best, and and he's next to Kovacic, so. So it's even it's not even like, oh, they'll target Jorginho's lack of athleticism. So for me, I think we'll still look solid defensively. I think we'll be willing to absorb a lot of their pressure and kind of catch them on the counter rather than, you know, what we were doing in the last game where we dominated. But yeah, I mean, I, I see it being a, a one nil or nil nil. I don't I don't see multiple goals here. And and I don't think it'll get to the point where we'll have to score one to, to draw. If anything, we may score first and they get something later. So, so yeah, I think I think we can move on, and I think we would deserve it too. It wouldn't be a shock, you know. It, can, it wouldn't be a last minute winner that saves our butt to to move forward. I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling confident. Like I said, this is like the most excited I've I've been for a match all season. Like. In the back of my head, I really want to believe that this is going to be a repeat of 2012. We bring in a new manager and just somehow, some way, a team that should not have won Champions League just comes together and wins it. But I mean, we don't have we don't have the guys in the locker room like Frank and, you know, and, and uh, John, JT out there to to really pull everyone together and Drogba, you know, so... It's not as likely, but hey, who knows? Maybe Ben Chilwell becomes that guy. <laughs> I don't know. J five maybe. That would be incredible. Well, well, well J five is out, so. Well, I mean, beyond beyond this, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about beyond this match uh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Or J five might be Napoli's guy moving forward. Uh, shout out to Ron. Um, a shout out to Jorgolo too. <laughs> Jorgolo, Jorgolo. <laughs> um, but yeah, before we start spewing any more nonsense, I think that that pretty much wraps it up for this episode, guys. So uh, if you're still listening at this point, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Uh, we've also gotten a couple emails, Romans Empire Pod at Gmail dot com. Um, make sure you're also uh, looking for our uh, next episode after we play Atletico. We're going to be dropping episodes uh, pretty much after every game. So um, make sure you're looking out for that. Uh, we do post them on our Twitter page as well. So if you'd like, you can even uh, turn on post notifications. That would be kind of nice. Uh, but until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.